0: We are nearly done with Deuteronomy, not all of it, um, we are only going through Deuteronomy chapter 12, we are in Deuteronomy chapter 12, so you can turn there, we will bounce around some, and it is my intention, it is my full intention to conclude next week, um, depending on how far we get here today. We will conclude next week, kind of do a back look on where we've come in Deuteronomy 1-12, through 12, and kind of do a forward look, just kind of scanning over the rest of the book as it takes Israel to the cusp of the promised land. Uh, in, uh, that will happen in Joshua. We're not going to go there. In two weeks, we are going to begin a study of Paul's letter to Titus a young pastor who was stationed on Crete and uh, invite and encourage you to read through Paul's letter to Titus. There are some things in there that are going to cause cultural knots and we are going to unknot them, hopefully, by the power of the Holy Spirit in the truth of God's Word. Uh, Just by uh, way of uh, regathering where we are, we last week went from eleven twenty-six through twelve fourteen, and we saw in that study that we come to God as God would have us come to Him. Why must that be so? Why must we come to God? Why? Why can't I worship God, in, in however I want to? in My American independence.
1: Because he's the author and creator of everything, and so he's created and given us standards and principles to live by, and so we have to do it. Okay. To be obedient. Yeah.
0: Good. Why else can't I, can't, you know, I, I even prayed, you know, oh, that we, we can come boldly before the throne of grace. Okay. Why can't, yes, man can't just go strutting in and worship God as man sees fit. He can't. He's broken. If he is redeemed, he is being conformed to the image of his son. And thereby, his desire, man's desire, should be to be obedient to the living God, to follow after everything he says. That should be my desire. Oh, yes, I want to follow after you. I mean, think of somebody who plays the violin. You know, if if I really was passionate about the violin and I had the opportunity to learn from a master violinist, you know, a concert violinist, uh, and, and I really desired that. I really desired that. Would I not do what they say? You know, would I not try to make my fingers work like they do and hold the bow like they do and whatever they do? You know, that that should be my desire that should come out you know i should desire to be like him and ultimately the way this works out is god is glorified in this as his ch- children look like him we cannot come any other way and we, as believers, know that the way that we come to God is how? Through Christ. Alone. In Christ alone, my hope is found. Christ alone. Solo Christus. Uh, we preached on that uh, a year, year ago. A couple of years ago? A year ago. Through Christ alone. We cannot come any other way. So I have to hear God's voice in this matter. So, man, that, that was, that's, one, that's one takeaway I really ache for everyone to take from this study. I must hear God's voice. I must follow after him uh, as far as my worship is concerned. Uh, second point there uh, under last time was God cares that we rejoice. God cares that we rejoice. You know that came up twice. It's going to come up again today as well. God doesn't just want us to come. God doesn't want us to go through the motions. We talked about this in our men's study on Saturday. You know, the man who found the treasure in the field buried it. And for the joy of that treasure, for the joy of that, went and sold all he had to procure that field and that treasure for the joy. As you read through the Psalms, the psalmist isn't indifferent to the living God. There is a desire and a rapture for him. As the deer pants for the water, so my soul... Longs for you. We looked at uh, Psalm sixty-three. Psalm sixteen is another great psalm. I can't. Ju- if if there is not a delight for God in my heart, if there is not a desire for Him, that's a that's a symptom. You know, that's like that's like a, that's like your left arm. You know, having a pain kind of going down your left arm. You're going, or, or, something's amiss. Here. I want to have my heart looked at. There. Or, ooh, I've got this pain. A couple of years ago, Tracy had a pain. Right there. Ooh, ooh it's not going away. Oh, well, let's go have it. Does this Yeah, it hurts. Ooh, emergency appendectomy. Like right now. So. If I'm not desiring after God, that should be something. God calls us to follow after him, not not because he needs it. God commands our worship not because he needs it. He doesn't. It is for us. He is our satisfaction. Only in him are we going to find the fullness of joy. And so he's going, please come and follow after me, that you would find fullness and satisfaction. You would find the intention of my creating you. And we also saw last week that God isn't merely concerned about spiritual things. God does care about the physical things. Probably the greatest way that we know that is Jesus Christ is in physical form now. God inhabits physicality. He created a physical universe in which man exists. We looked at the fact that God seemed to care, and we'll look at it again today about where you, where specifically in place, in space time, where you worship. He's actually concerned about the time as well of of their feasts, where you would eat it and when you would eat it that you would enjoy it. So as we move on today, he's going to talk more about the feasting of of his people. Um, Arnold, would you read verse 15 of chapter 12?
1: However, you may slaughter and eat meat within any of your towns as much as you desire according to the blessing of the Lord your God that he has given you. The unclean and the clean may eat of it as of the gazelle and as of the deer. Okay.
0: Okay. That a complicated thought there in verse fifteen. What's he saying? You can eat me. Yeah. Eat, eat. eat. Go ahead. Now, now, well, let's let let's unpack this a little bit further. Um, notice the descriptor of of their provision. How have they been provided? According to the blessing of the Lord your God. Yeah. I mean, why do you have anything? Why do you have anything, God? How much do you have, God? How little do you have, God? And so according to the blessing that God has brought to you, eat. much what you want? okay what is this not saying
1: it's not saying eat
0: okay <laughs> that's good because we'll get to this kind of in the next verse there there are dietary restrictions god is not going he's not unleashed the bowls you know he's he's just not open wide the floodgates here at this point he does in the New Testament, opens it wide to us, okay, to believers. So when it, what, it
1: says the unclean and the clean may eat of it, they're
0: talking about people. Yes. And unclean and clean yes. The yeah. I mean, it's like you can eat. <clears throat> we're just talking. We're talking dinner here. We're not talking sacrifice yet. Okay. But one thing he's not talking about, he's not, when he says, eat as much as you desire, he's not talking gluttony, okay? Uh, Discipline and restraint is huge in all facets of life. Drunkenness, gluttony, pleasure, all of these things we can take to an inordinate level. And none of these things are good. So, God says eat. Great, good. Some some may have been wondering because of the restrictions placed on them. But God goes back to give them the boundaries with regard to their eating. Verse 16, Elaine, would you read verse 16?
1: Only you shall not eat the blood. You shall pour it out on the earth
0: like water. Okay. What's the problem with blood? in the New Testament in Hebrews it speaks extensively about the blood, life in the blood without the shedding of blood there is no forgiveness of sins and so the blood is to be poured out Okay, so blood ought not be any part of the Jews diet there poured on the earth like water and this again is not has nothing to do with sacrifices yet and we know also that there were other dietary laws that were imposed upon them as has already been alluded to alright now please question I, I mean I've thought about this before I think I know what I would say but does this mean steaks need to be medium well no blood Great question. This is an Old Testament... Yeah. Um, the
1: commandment,
0: commandment. I think usually now happens. in modern butchering, we drain... The blood we is drink. still drained, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. We're not talking about what r- remains. You will never be able to, unless you turn it to a pile of ash, get rid of all of the blood that I will take that further. What about, like, blood pie? I was going to say, yeah, black pudding and blood then. Yeah, yeah, I mean, for those you who know, else, it's Scottish, you know. Yeah, they in Mexico, yeah, do yeah, in blood, they
1: cook in the yeah. the, the blood. Yeah.
0: <laughs> you know, I... <laughs> I'll introduce them to things that sound a lot better and
1: taste a lot yeah. better. Yeah.
0: Um, there, there, there are some weird dietary things all around the world, but again, if we go to Acts... We, st- we have this New Testament opening of if we give thanks for what God has provided for us, uh, we can rejoice over his provision in there. It's not what goes in that makes a man unclean. It's what is already there and comes out of a man. So you think the blood is just like a, a teaching of the sacred nature of blood at that point of just a physical way to practice that, like leaven or something like that? I, I think there is a, a reality in the importance of blood in the human life. Um, you know, how, how is it that there is life in the blood? I I don't know. Sure. Spiritually and physically. I would say that there is a both a spiritual and a physical link in there because we know that the blood within the blood is all kinds of disease and there is there was a wisdom there was a dietary wisdom also for draining all of the blood out of the animal and not just leaving it there to congeal uh as you slaughtered the the creature Um, so there there's a wisdom in that um I, you know, I, I have read things in the past uh, about uh, the 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 prudence of of avoiding blood in one's diet. Sure. But again, as far as blood pies and stuff, I, I don't know. How does how is God intending? Is it more of a spiritual thing or a physical? I think it's a both sure. kind of thing in there. How does blood play into the life of the person? I mean, it's obviously integral, but there's so much that you can't do without. I mean, you can't do without your brain. You can't do without your heart. You can't do without your liver. Any thoughts on that before I move on? Anything anybody's read or heard? To flush that a little bit. <clears throat> okay. Now he's going to go into some things that he has already spoken of here, or will speak of again, uh, verses 17 through 19. Olivia, would you read those please?
1: You may not eat within your town, the tithe of your grain or of your wine or of your oil or the firstborn of your herd or the flock or of any, or your free will offerings, or the contribution that you present, but you shall eat them before the Lord your God in the place that the Lord has, God has chosen will choose. And you, your son, and your daughter, and your male servant and your female servant, and the Levite Levi, who is within your towns, and you shall rejoice before the Lord your God in all that you undertake. Take care that you do not neglect the Levite as long as you live in your
0: land. Good. So. We see, we see the dietary restriction in verse 16. We also see here now the ritual restriction with regard to what they eat as far as their sacrifices and the offering of their sacrifices. Where could they offer their sacrifices? Wherever the Lord Yes. When he said, there. That's the place. That's the place they would sacrifice. Okay. As they moved through the desert, as they wandered, where did they sacrifice? Wherever they were
1: tent.
0: Wherever they were, sort of.
1: Wherever the tent was set up.
0: Yes, wherever the tabernacle,
1: which God specifically established, set up and.
0: Yeah, Yeah. how did did they know where to put the tabernacle? Yeah, wherever he stopped. You know, God was with them. They saw the manifestation of his presence in the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. And as the pillar loitered, they loitered. It moved, they went, time to pack up. Time to go. They packed up and they moved. And this is where the sacrifices were brought as God explained to them. Okay, so, so really very simple. And it would be another 500 years almost ish before the temple was set up. Now, from the time of Moses in about 1500 BC to the time of David Solomon at about a thousand BC is about 500 years so you know they are still offering it in the tabernacle to that day we get no indication in scripture that God is telling them to build a temple any time prior to that when God finally lays it on the heart of David to build God a temple
1: but up until when they, when they conquered the promised land
0: We do not. We do not get a a specification on where the tabernacle was to be. Um, I actually just read this morning of a situation in Joshua, where in Joshua chapter twenty-two, where this this very commandment came into play, because when they had peace in the land. And uh, Reuben and Gad and the half-tribe of Manasseh were told that they could go back to the east side of the Jordan and take the land that was allotted for them over there You know, because they had served their military duty in the promised land. They were like, great, and they went over, and one of the first things they did was they built a humongous altar just on the east side of the Jordan River. And Israel was like, what are you doing? Man, you know, everybody got themselves ready for battle that, you know, here Reuben, they're thinking Reuben and Gad and the half tribe of Manasseh are going to be sacrificing their sacrifices on this altar instead of in the tabernacle. And uh, uh, the, the response of of these people is beautiful uh, their response was and it was neat that they didn't just go to war you know it's kind of a great lesson in conflict you don't just go smash somebody in the mouth for what you think you don't go by what you think they intend you ask them what did you mean by this And they said, the mighty one, God, the Lord, the mighty one, God, the Lord, he knows and let Israel itself know if it was in rebellion or in breach of faith against the Lord, do not spare us today. If we sinned, we'll own it. It says, do not spare us today for building an altar to turn away from following the Lord, Or if we did so to offer burnt offerings or grain offerings or peace offerings on it, may the Lord take vengeance. They understood that they were not to simply offer wherever they wanted to offer. You couldn't just erect an altar in Nazareth, even though this is where Jesus was, and offer offerings there. You were to go To the temple of the Lord. So we see that Israel understood uh, the nature, the the severe nature of this, that this is the only place. Yeah, great. Slaughter things in your own town, eat them. Great. But those aren't sacrifices. You're just eating, you're just having dinner. If you are going to offer an offering to the Lord, do it in the temple. Take it to the tabernacle and do it there. Eat in that place. Who is supposed to eat in that place? Everybody. Hey, everybody? Everybody who? Who, everybody? So, when you went, take with you your people. Take with you your family. Take with you those who you hired to take care of your stuff. What's with the Levites? Okay, so so think about this. The Levites were given towns in each of the territories. You can read Joshua to read about the allotments to the Levites there. And so if you have Levites living nearby, you had a responsibility to them. How well do you think Israel took care of that? I mean it has to be an active choice to go hunt down the levites and go hey we're going to offer a sacrifice come with us. You know how did they apportion which families of the levites went with whom you know did who did, did one family always go and they always ate well and you know, I, I don't I don't know it doesn't doesn't play that out but so, some of the some of the the laws you go wow that that might have been a challenge But it's reiterated in verse 19, take care that you do not neglect the Levites as long as you live in your land. Why did the Levites not get anything? Well,
1: they got something.
0: That is huge that is again you know it kind of goes back to that that first point or the second point i guess that we would rejoice in the lord that we would rejoice in the lord that that the levites went man we get to serve the living god we get to serve in the tabernacle we get to serve in the temple okay yes there is a priesthood as well the priesthood and the levites helping out in their tasks as singers as whatever doorkeepers Gatekeepers, musicians, they're fabulous. And you can read in Chronicles as well of the Levites who couldn't confirm their lineage. And then they couldn't serve. And oh, man, what a, what a burden that was. They couldn't, they couldn't do, they couldn't serve in the temple and in verse back and I'll back up from verse 19 just a half verse there again we see the the r word once again put before us we're to rejoice in the lord in all that you undertake and here he's talking about the sacrifices rejoice in this opportunity to come and sacrifice before the lord you know and and that re- again requires consideration i have to think about what i'm doing because it can be so easy to go through the motions what in our worship do we do that is very easy just to go through the motions the whole thing okay there's the general answer I mean just coming on sunday why because i always do it everybody expects me to be here and if i'm not here they're going to call me up and go why are you not here blah, blah, blah. no well, okay i'm just going to come but when you get here specifically in the worship let's go specifics what are some things that we can go through the motions on? okay i've heard this song before the scripture reading that we read during
1: the service—you were not even paying attention
0: to it. Yep, Jeremy's up there again. There you go. He's got his three points in the back the bowl. There we go. Oh, I've read this. I've read this story in Luke before. What am I gonna do this afternoon? Oh yeah, I'll we'll have to study. Oh man, Monday's gonna be brutal. You know what? Uh, okay, let me let me try. So we together, believers indwelt by the Holy Spirit, are united. By the Holy Spirit as a church. Brought together as a church. To glorify the Son. Together. To exalt Him in song. And in our minds. And in our hearts. In our words. With with exaltation. With feelings. And thinking, and by here, and we get to drink in the proclaimed word of God, both read, sung, and preached. And we can just go through the motions, and it can become rote. And so it has to be considered. I have to consider my worship that it that that I do rejoice, that when I come I do rejoice in what God has done. That I get to delight to be with my brothers and sisters in Christ and exalt the living God together with them. Ah. We get to do this. Should be a joy.
1: There's a couple of dangers in there too. As well your relationship with God and then if you just
0: dismiss it because you've heard it before. Are you saying, Dave, that even as we worship, there may ought to be something critical in the back of my mind about what I'm... Absolutely. You must have a discerning ear. Oh, man. So, as I worship, I need to be discerning. That doesn't mean I sit in judgment all the time. You know, that's not... I don't come to church to go, okay... You know, where where what am I gonna be able to critique today? <laughs> yeah, that's not that's not my point. But I need I need that. Because he is fallible. He is fallible. Thou art fallible. You are. And so we have to we have to take care with our counsel and our and our songs. And our songs, and we we pitched some songs before. God, eh, eh. so if you if, if we're going through lyrics and you're going that that was kind of wonky, what he said there. Actually, there's a big there's a popular Christian song out there today. There's a big to do about it, and John Piper actually weighed in on that. I appreciated. His counsel in that. I can't remember the name of the song uh, right now. Um, All right, responding to blessing. uh, Moving on. Uh, Verse 20, Corbin.
1: When the Lord your God extends your border as he promised you, and you say, I will eat meat, because you desire to eat meat, then you may eat meat, whatever you desire.
0: Okay. First part of this. First part of this verse when, when the Lord your God enlarges your territory. When? What is presumed in that? It's going to happen. Okay, this is, when he does this, it is going to happen. Okay, God is going to bless you. I'm going to go prosperity here for a little bit. Israel was promised this. Is God going to bless you? Yes, Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. How do you know this? Why can you say such an audacious thing that God is going to bless you? Let Let me back off from that first. Is God going to bless you in this life? Yes, absolutely. The blessing might not be what you think. Absolutely. Might not be territories and herds. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, I might not get the cattle on a thousand hills. Those are his. He apportions those to whom he sees fit. Does God promise to provide for you? Yeah. No. T- don't don't worry about what you're going to eat, or what you're going to drink, or what you're going to wear. The Lord knows you have need of these things. At the same time, should we still pray for them? Yes. Why? Uh, yeah. Yes, He did. He Jesus, God the Son, said. Pray this way. Give us this day our daily bread. At the same time, he's the same one in that same section who said, don't worry about these things. It's a question of worrying about these things. No, don't fret. The Father loves you. You will Okay. You may not have a ribeye. Maybe rice. You know, for prisoners of war who you know, think think about I mean, many of you have seen pictures of those who have been released from POW camps or concentration camps. Were they provided for?
1: Meagerly. Meagerly.
0: Yeah. Meagerly. Do you give do you give thanks when You've you've got some like grass stew and oh hey, there's there are a few maggots in it for protein. You know, I, I mean we go oh. Maybe that's your first meal in two days. And to be able to thank the Lord for it. God is going to bless us. We know, we know that in heaven God is going to bless us above and beyond all we can ask or imagine. And in this life too. Again, not necessarily with prosperity, but God exhorts us that our fullness and our satisfaction are not to be found in our speedboats and our jet skis. And our snow skis. Or our wives. Or our children. Or our friends. Or my job. My fullness and my satisfaction are in him. And therein will I find blessing upon blessing. In all of the other things that he does allow to come my way. Because he is my strong tower. Verse 21. And by the way, you can pitch in anytime you want here on this. So, he reiterates in verse 20, hey, eat. You You can eat wherever you want to eat. If the place that the Lord your God will choose to put his name there is too far from you, then... You may kill any of your herd or flock, which the Lord has given you as I have commanded you. And you may eat within your towns whenever you desire. Again, this is not sacrifice. You know, could you take, if you were close to Jerusalem, could you take your stuff to the temple and offer it as a sacrifice there? Yes, absolutely. And still eat of it. So, you know, you you don't have to go to the temple. You don't have to go to the tabernacle to have, to have ribeye. Just as the gazelle or the deer is eaten, so you may eat of it, clean and the unclean alike. Okay? Again, it's a reiteration of what we have already looked at, and we'll see that a lot, this, kind of, this parallelism going back down and again. Only be sure, once again, do not eat the blood, for the blood is the life, and you shall not eat the life with the flesh. You shall not eat it. You shall pour it out on the earth like water. You shall not eat it, that all may go well with you and with your children after you when you do what is right in the sight of the Lord. Go what? That that, that it may go well with you and your children after you. Okay, I can understand that in my obedience that it would go well with me. How is my obedience going to affect my children after me or my disobedience?
1: Passed down from generation to generation. It's in the law. So that's in the law. So that's the you old know, testament. But typically, somebody's not going to do something better than what you're doing necessarily. You could have been enforced, but.
0: This is a natural consequence. A child is born out of wedlock the dad merely served as the impregnator was never seen again the child grows without a father the child not surprising becomes like the father he has no father figure to guide him and so he becomes an abuser and user of women do we see this propagated over and over and over and over again in our culture yes It is a natural consequence. It is not uncommon that alcoholic parents beget alcoholic children. It is not not a surprise that promiscuous parents beget promiscuous children.
1: Passive worshipers.
0: That, that, that the, the parent that merely goes to church begets the child that rejects it completely. Oh, why are children leaving the church wholesale? Because they're not getting anything in it, first of all, and the parents aren't getting anything out of it or giving anything to it. Church is merely an activity for them and not one that means very much to them. You know this is there Who said it? Who said no man is an island unto himself? Robert Burns. Come on. Come on, you homeschooled kids. No man is an island unto, No Man has is an island unto himself. My sin is going to affect you. It will. All of you. Why? Because I'm teaching you.
1: I'm sorry, I didn't hear part
0: of that. My sin will affect you. Why? Because I'm teaching you. I'm an elder in your church. Your sin will affect me. Why? Because you are a part of the body of Christ. It will. How much more so in our families? Okay, do not think that your sin is merely just you, man, just me. No, it's not. It affects all kinds of people. But also our obedience blesses not only us, but all others that we touch. Um. Verse 26, the holy things that are due from you, your vow offerings you shall take, you shall go to the place that the Lord will choose. Again, we just, we just read this. We just read this. Why is he saying all this again? It's a different subject. No, it's the same thing. It's an, it's a, it's an emphasis. It's an emphasis. You know, All of what we read in 15 through 19 is reiterated again in 20 through 28.
1: I think it's because um, God is showing children that if God has to repeat something to his own people, then parents have to repeat things to their children so they can get it even more. So that's why we repeat repeating guys. Okay. We say, well, you may be
0: showing things. the parents that you're going to have to, and so don't yeah, don't get I mean. don't get weary of repeating it to your kids because God's going, hey, 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 hey. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> There's aspect that we interpret differently, or
1: when I interpret it, our way. Well, he didn't say we had to. Yeah. This he just said holy things.
0: Yeah. I don't take him
1: anywhere. He didn't say.
0: When I I hear people talk about different interpretations, I want to run to the toilet. I mean, our
1: law is set on that, too.
0: My interpretation is meaningless. Okay, my interpretation is meaningless. What we all must strive to do is find God's intent. What is God saying? Is he saying it Plainly, do I have to understand it as figure of speech? Is it poetic? Do I understand it as poetry? That's that's the whole idea of having that's that's hermeneutics. But it is, it's, it's the Holy Spirit is the one who reveals
1: the truth of the word
0: to us. So yes, but I can't I can't just do that. Oh, Holy Spirit, come up, you know. There is scholarship involved in that. There, those, those two go hand in hand. Because there are some very brilliant men who know what God's word says, but they are not empowered by the Holy Spirit. There. That's a mess. Um Verse 28, we'll leave with verse 28 here today and then we'll, we'll do 29 through 32 and, and wrap up our study in Deuteronomy next week. Verse 28, Let this let this stew in your heart. Be careful to obey all the words that I command you, that it may go well with you and with your children after you forever when you do what is good and right in the sight of the Lord your God. God commands us because God loves us. God wants what's good for us. And so he commands us to follow after him. God wants our best. Our best is him. Do we believe it? If we do, then we will. We will. Be careful to obey all these words that I command you. Again, the blessing that comes from it. Um I want you to think on the topic of idolatry as he closes out. I want you to think about how does it play in your life now? Read you can read 29 through 32. Think about it as it goes into the New Testament and how can the church be susceptible to idolatry? Any final thoughts, questions on right worship of the living God you this morning